This episode of the Two Fit Crazies in a Microphone podcast is brought to you by TFC Productions. Two Fit Crazy Productions, TFC Productions, that's our production company helping people with their podcasts. Increase your brand, grow your business by creating your very own podcast, and we are here to help you every step of the way. You do not have to do all the work. We do a lot of it for you. This podcast is also brought to you by ContiFit.com. Get the best online training, the best in arthritis, in let's face it together, facial fitness and rehabilitation, all sorts of functional fitness training at your fingertips. That's ContiFit.com. Also brought to you by High Five Health and Fitness. Uh, virtual health coaching sessions and corporate wellness programs. All the information at highfivehealthandfitness.com. It is Christine Conti. And I'm Brian Prendergast. And we are Two Fit Crazy. And a microphone. We are where it's at. <laughs> vagina coach. Vagina coach. We got a vagina coach on the air today. I just wanted to say it because she is out there, um, Kim Vopney. From Canada, another Canadian sister is on the show today, and she's out there to make you feel a little uncomfortable, let you step back a moment and say, wait, what did you just say? Right. Yeah. Well, she says it's an uncomfortable subject, and that's you know all the more reason to talk about it, because we have to make it a little bit more comfortable. Um, Kim is amazing. You are going to absolutely love her. She is so knowledgeable, and this is something that we need to talk about. Ladies, okay? Again, whether you have kids, don't have kids, you know, you're pregnant, you're post, you know, having a baby. Um, what's really eye opening is that, you know, we don't always think about what's going on in our bodies. And there's a lot of information that we're not given. And you may, you know, have a baby or have something going on and you don't even know it. Um, and she's going to talk about, you know, internal health, um, pelvic floor health and, what that means. And, you know, we're going to ask her, you know, what is pelvic health? Um, for all of you that are athletes, non-athletes, fitness pros, if you're a trainer and you're working with women, you need to know this and you need to know what the signs are to send them to the right people. Absolutely. And, you know, look, it's, it's, um, it's a, it's a part of pregnancy, you know, for, for women that, you know, they don't, ask for obviously it's a part of the process it's a potential part of the process and there's ways to prepare for you know having it not affect you in ways that it could affect you if you don't prepare um pre and post uh, you know just recovery and taking the time to recovery and taking the time the time to recover and getting back to exercise postpartum you know all these things really pay uh, you know come into play in terms of long-term health um you know there are some things that are might be undetected uh if you don't uh, follow up with a you know with a pelvic floor specialist in order to you know get an examination to see if you're okay you might feel fine uh, but in on the insides you know there might be some things that that long term could come back and, and affect you in a way that you just you know would hope to avoid by just getting that checkup all right so uh Kim is going to uh, open your eyes everyone and um, I I just I love it she is taking a platform to really educate and empower women and you know everyone out there so you are gonna love her and um, I mean even her website is vaginacoach.com she's and got I, great names for her programs oh my too. gosh I, can, should I even birth I like even a boss there? the buff muff 
prepare to push. Oh my god, it, they're so good. They're so good. <laughs> Mom, Supi, their pants. She was just talking with. Um, but I know that we're kind of joking around and you know adding a little uh, you know lightheartedness. But that's to this, okay. But it's really a, a awesome thing that you know we need to be aware of. So today, you know, like as always, the two fit crazies have got to bring you whole health. So we've got to deal right. with everything. And um, you know what? Nothing wrong with a little laugh and learn either. So Absolutely. Let's get to it, everybody. Here we go. Christine Conti. And I'm Brian Prendergast. And we are Two Fit Crazy. And the microphone. We are where it's at. Brian, how you doing? I'm doing well, Christine. We're going to make it. I hope yeah, so. Yeah, no, we're going to survive. We're going to do it. <laughs> yeah, oh, I know, right? Much. Shemizel, shemizel. <laughs> that's, that's life right now. We're all going to make it. It is going to be fantastic. And you know what? I walk into the office. I feel like I had a crazy week. And I said to Brian, I'm like, Man, I'm like, I just feel like I've, you know, I've been giving, 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 and I need to just take for a little bit. And I said, you know, it's going to be a good day. We've got the vagina coach on today. <laughs> and I know all you listeners right now are like, what is she talking about? Christine is crazy, whatever. But no, it is true. We are welcoming Kim Vapney to the show today. Kim, how are you? <laughs> I'm great. Thank you so much. I love the I love the energy you guys have, and I'm really happy to be here. Thank you. All right, good. All right, so can we have to tell our listeners that I am not full of it? That this is really a title. This is really your brand. Can you just verify that for real? Hundred percent for real. Okay. See everyone. <laughs> the I am- vagina coach. It's in all the email signatures. It's mm-hmm. in uh, yeah. It's in it's in everything. It's it's the brand, like you said. Yeah, and uh, it makes people uncomfortable, but that's kind of the point. So. Oh my gosh, it's just like me. <laughs> I walk in the room and everyone's uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. I, I thought I was being like um, punked, you know, like Christine was getting me that you yeah. know that this is a gift for me, the vagina coach. <laughs> who, who is this for? Is this for me or for Christine or for yeah. the, the audience? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I know that we're joking around, but this is actually super serious and super needed. And, you know, it's it's really like you said, why are people uncomfortable? Why do you say that? Uh, well, the word vagina, anything that has gina, nobody really likes to say those words and, um, and vagina in particular, it's, it's a place that's, you know, a lot of people have shame associated with it. There's embarrassing embarrassment going back, even from when we were first learning sex ed, you know, it was always like, Oh, he, he, you don't say these words and everybody, even raising young children, a lot of people use code words or, you know, funny names because it's, it's uncomfortable for people to talk about it. It seems like it's embarrassing or it's off limits and, and there's taboo and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And, and really we need to embrace the words. We need to say the words we need to talk about our bodies with young kids and with everybody. And so 
the topic that I talk about is pelvic health. And I, I didn't use the term vagina coach for the, I've been in business doing this for about 11 years. And it was only about four years ago that I started using that title. Um, but when I, it was a light bulb moment when I, when I came up with it, it was accidentally on purpose. I was, I was speaking to a group of women entrepreneurs and my, it was at a conference and all the people speaking ahead of me were some sort of a business coach. And my topic was how optimizing your pelvic health can make you a better mompreneur. So it was the mompreneurs conference. Mm -hmm. And I came up on stage and I, I like to throw a little humor in and usually I always start with something funny and, and I wasn't quite sure. I'm never really quite sure what I'm going to say. It just kind of comes out. And this time it came out as well. Now you have a vagina coach for your business and, (laughs) and it sort of just rolled out. But as soon as it did, it was like this light bulb moment. I thought that is that is summarizing what it is that I do. Cause before that I was known as the fitness doula because I really specialized in fitness and training pregnant women for childbirth and recovery. And when I started to evolve beyond that group, like not working with them exclusively, fitness doula didn't resonate with people who had never been pregnant or people who were now in menopause and uh, vagina coach definitely did. So it was like a a light bulb moment again. And I just sort of thought that sums it up. And it's a word that I want people to be comfortable saying, and it starts with just putting it out there and we have to say it more often. And I, it brings attention to the part of the body that I want people to pay attention to. So it kind of, it, it started the conversation, <laughs> I guess. And, and so I'm just rolling with it and embracing it. And so far it's been a good thing. I love it. It puts it right there for you. You know, it's, there's yeah. no, there's no gray area. <laughs> there's no gray area. <laughs> so talk to us about, I mean, this is obviously, you know, you're very focused obviously on a certain part of the body. And so take us back now, take our listeners back to, okay, well, why, why the vagina? Why the <laughs> pelvic floor? What's going on? Yeah. Well, it started really with, a sixth grade childbirth, well, it was sex ed, and they showed us a childbirth video. And I remember going, oh my God, I'm never doing that. And then I went home and I looked at my mom differently. And I said, well, she did it twice. And my aunts have done it. And my grandmothers did it. You know, And I started looking at women and I said, well, they're all still walking around and some of them are running and they're exercising. So, but I still felt like, "Uh uh-uh, it's not for me. And so I sort of grew up, everybody knew I had slogans, I had vision boards that would always say, I don't want a baby, I'm never going to be pregnant. And, and then, you know, fast forward to I met my husband and decided I did want to start a family and I watched my sister in law give birth. And that changed my perspective. It was a different she used midwife. So she was in a different birth position. She was supported differently. She was it was completely different from any type of image I had seen of birth. And it really inspired me and and the next year I was pregnant myself. And I remember asking my midwives about what else I could do. I'd heard of perineal massage and that's what my sister-in-law did. And I was using midwives uh, and they said, well, I've heard of this thing called the EpiNo. And so uh, I investigated that and it was a biofeedback device for training for birth and for postpartum recovery. And I used that and had a great experience. And I certainly credit my midwives as well. I was also in a sideline birth position, which was helpful, but I, I came out of birth and I remember hearing stories of my friends who were going through childbirth around the same time as me and their stories were different and they weren't as positive. And I said, you know what, there's, there has to be better information and more education for people about the pelvic floor, because this is such a prime opportunity to prevent so many of the challenges that women go through. 
And so that's kind of how it started. And I said, well, I'm going to start selling this product. And I just thought it would be a side hustle. And, you know, anyway, fast forward, it turned into my, my main thing. And it really started with that product. <clears throat> Pardon me. I had an um, e-commerce store for a while with a bunch of different pelvic health products. And I started a workshop called prepare to push, which combined my training as a personal trainer. And I also took training as a doula and that's where, you know, I, I saw an opportunity to help people when they're pregnant to learn about the pelvic floor and to learn about how we could birth more powerfully and confidently and, and safely. And, and then what we could do in those early weeks postpartum to, to help heal and to ensure that we're going through, you know, all of our life stages with control and with an understanding of the importance of pelvic health. So that's kind of how it started and it evolved. I started a second company with two other women. Uh, we created a postpartum recovery garment. That company was called Bellies Inc. And uh, I've, I sold that business actually in just in June. And so it's kind of been this last 10 years has really been a journey of, you know, educating and going through life stages myself and learning. And it's been amazing. It's been fun and it's also incredibly exciting to see that I remember back when I first started. So 2009, Twitter was on the scene, but there was no Instagram. Facebook was still very personal. And I remember learning about hashtags and I started, you know, I did hashtag pelvic floor and there was nobody out there. And, and then one day I got a hit and it was a urogynecologist in Reno, Nevada, and I connected with him. And so that just kind of started the ball rolling. And to see now how many people are talking about the importance of pelvic health uh, in, you know, pregnancy, motherhood, any life stage is really, really amazing. It's come so far, really, I'd say in the last three to five years, it's like completely exploded. So it's interesting and amazing to see that, you know, when it started out where I was this unknown person trying to create this niche of vaginas and people are like, you're crazy. What are you doing <laughs> to now see that other people have embraced it and they're doing the same thing. So it's pretty cool. I have like 300 questions that just came to mind. <laughs> so the first thing I think we need to go over is, so, all right, so now, never thought you were going to be mom, mom, and um, yeah. so how many kids do you have? I have two. They're 16 and 13. Okay. 16 and 13. Now, um, after, so talk to me, because we always hear, I have two children, Brian's got three, although you just... You didn't birth them, but you have them. Oh, you yeah. Know. No. You were there. You were there for the moment. <laughs> I was there. Um, Absolutely. So what, so tell me what was your experience like then, you know, from what you thought, from what actually happened? Because that's something, you know, I think is important to, to talk about. Like, you know, obviously you had a semi-decent experience. You live to tell, like many of us do. Yep. Um, what, you know, what was it about that that caused you, oh my gosh, this is, this is something I want to help people with. Well, I think it, it was, I mean, I, I bought this product and I used it and I, I, I had told a couple of friends and they were also using it as well. But afterwards, there was a lot of people I knew that had not used it. Hadn't, they had tearing, they'd had, you know, some of them went into emergency cesareans. And so there's all these different stories. And I just looked at my birth and I thought, you know, I felt uh, uncertain, of course, N nobody going into birth the first time is ever, I don't think is ever like, Oh yeah, I got this. It's everybody has a little bit of apprehension. And, but I did go in with an, with an element of confidence thinking, you know what, I've done everything I possibly can to avoid what I was hoping to avoid, which was tearing and, and incontinence. And so 
I felt like I had a very, I was very supported. I felt very safe. I look back, it was a very positive experience. It was, there was nothing horrific. I was always um, informed and I really kind of just left to, to be, which is what I wanted. And it, and it was great. And, but that being said, when I look back and part of what I preach now is I'm a huge, huge, huge supporter of pelvic floor physiotherapy or physical therapy if you're in the U.S. And this is something that I think is the most underused women's health resource that we have. And there is very little collaboration between the medical community and the midwifery community and the pelvic floor physiotherapy community. And that needs to change. And I believe that women, so back to my birth, I had this great experience and I didn't have any tearing and, you know, I healed very quickly. And so I, I was like, Oh my God, I did it. Like, that was my goal. I did it. I was so happy, but unbeknownst to me, and I didn't know this until years later, after I learned about pelvic floor physio, I had suffered internal tearing and there's something called, um, there's one pelvic floor muscle called the levator ani, which is directly, it means lift the anus. <laughs> and so it's an important part of the pelvic floor. And it's the one that it's, it's the part that really plays the biggest role in organ support. And the attachment at the front by the pubic joint, um, you can have a complete evulsion where it actually rips completely off the bone, or you can have a partial tear, which, which is what I had, but I didn't know. And it wasn't until years and years and years later, actually, to be completely honest, I actually just found out about the levator ani tear about two weeks ago, but I always knew I'd had other internal tearing because of the pelvic floor physio telling me, but she had never, the first physio I saw had never told me about the levator ani one. But so I look back and say, yes, I had a great experience. I was focused on preventing incontinence and I was focused on preventing external tearing. I didn't even consider internal tearing. I didn't even think it was a thing. And I had never heard the term pelvic organ prolapse either. And so knowing now I experience, I have a prolapse and had I been able to address that with pelvic floor physio sooner, maybe things would be different. Who knows? Maybe they wouldn't be, but I feel like I would have been in a, a better position to have done the things I do now earlier and could have potentially prevented things from worsening. So it really became clear to me that it was not, um, there wasn't enough information available to women and there was more information supporting the use of pads and that it's just part of being a woman and you just have to, you know, put this pad in and carry on and you've got your confidence back. And, and I just wholeheartedly disagree with all of those messages and felt I needed to change that. It is amazing that, or I guess to Brian and I are very much advocates of one day, you know, a doctor's going to say here, you know, Brian, I need you to work with this person to lose weight, to get off their medication, as opposed to me yeah. just giving them more and more and more. And, right. and, you know, having that, that relationship between doctors and, you know, highly trained fitness professionals, <laughs> I'm going to put, throw that in there, um, yeah. is really important. And, you know, I'm wondering, you know, again, I've had two kids and there was no, when I had my kids, there was never any discussion of, Hey, um, you're, pelvic floor you could go through a, a prolapse you could have this or it was pretty much like you know what if you have some tears we're gonna you know give you some stitches you'll be fine send you on your way right. it, there was no education about this and I I'm a reader I did a lot of reading you know listened to different people and you know took the courses I'm supposed to take you know first mom yeah, right um but it was never mentioned yet 
it's so important. And, you know, just keeping your pelvic floor muscles tight and to be, you know, to be working out and to be strong. Um, I had good experiences with uh, people hate asking me because, you know, they're like, how was your childbirth? And I was like, it actually was really fast. It was good. It was, (laughs) I can't really complain. You know, I got right back into like, you know, working out and whatnot. And they're like, you know, you bitch. I'm like, well, I just, you know, I really relate it to being fit and, and being smart about some of the things that, you know, that I do, obviously you could have, you know, there's caveats to everything. Right. Um, but I've, you know, had I known, I feel like there's so many things that I would have done differently or that so many people would do differently. What is the problem between a doctor? Why aren't doctors saying, you know, this would be a really positive thing for you going through this, you know, pre, you know, or you're pregnant and now, you know, post what's, what's the issue? Yeah. I don't know. I, I, it's a really great question because all it takes is about 1.5 seconds to say, please see a pelvic floor physiotherapist. And in, in most in Canada, you do not need a referral or a prescription to see a pelvic floor physio unless your extended health benefits requires you to do so. And, and it's, it's similar in the States. So you can see one without a referral in most cases or in most States. And why it is not something that absolutely every single pregnant person and postpartum person has available to them is beyond me. So in France, they do pay for every woman who has a baby is given, I believe it's between six and 12 sessions paid for of pelvic floor physio. And it's not, it's not, I'm not going to say it's like the, the end all be all of physio. It, it, it's, but it's a start. It's the conversation. It's, it's, it addressing the importance of paying attention and to be proactive. And that's, what's missing here is we're very much reactive and we, we have people, you know, a lot of people say, well, they go see a doctor or gynecologist or what have you. And they say, Oh, well, it's not that bad. You know, you, you can just try some Kegel exercises or just when it gets really bad, come back and then we can do surgery. And I think, Oh my gosh, we we're missing such an opportunity for people to, learn way, way more during that time. Why, how, like, it's so disempowering to say, just go home. And then when it's so bad, then we'll do surgery. (laughs) And then when they do surgery, they still are not incorporating a prehab or a rehab. They just, they do the surgery and then send you on your way and that's it. And it can be life-changing. It can be liberating to have surgery, but if you are not informed, then the chance of that surgery needing to happen again is very, very high because the person still hasn't understood the importance of pelvic health or how to move properly or how to breathe properly. And so many of the things that contributed to the problem developing in the first place still exist. And now you have, you know, you have surgery, which also influences the abilities of, of the muscles to function properly. And if that scar tissue isn't being addressed, then that can create other issues. So there's this whole there's so many reasons why it that conversation should be happening. And there are some, there are some doctors who, who are starting to, you know, view things and work a little bit more collaboratively, but we still have such a long way to go. And I think one, one thing that um, in belly Inc, when we had that company, my partners and I started a certification course, which I still have now called the core confidence specialist certification. And it was meant to, bridge that gap between fitness and physio, but also when not only fitness trainers 
or allied like movement professionals are more informed. They, they inform their clients, but those clients then can also see the results and they can then go back to their doctor with them being in control, them asking the questions rather than going to the doctor and just being told what needs to, to happen. Does if that make sense? So yeah, absolutely. slowly, but surely I think conversations and are starting and more doctors are being informed because they, they simply don't get the training. So when they can now see what's happening in their patients, the, the results that they're getting from movement and, and different, um, you know, pelvic health practices, then they're starting to say, okay, then, you know, what's happening here and maybe I should be paying more attention here. So it's, it's happening, but it, it has a long way to go. The, the conditions that you're training the moms, you know, either to be or pre or post, um, to avoid and to work, you know, to, to prepare for, yeah. you know, I guess give us a couple samples. I know you mentioned the incontinence and the tearing and things like that and, and some of the yeah. internal things. How common are they? I mean, we have X amount of pregnancies per year. Is, is it a, a certain percentage that it's a slam dunk that this are going to happen? Is that maybe perhaps why it's not discussed quite so frequently ahead of time because it doesn't affect every, um, you know, it, it's not a, an issue in every situation? Or it affects you know what the was, majority. What okay. I was going to say is so great. What is pelvic health like? Yeah. I mean, what does that mean? Yeah, good question. So the the pelvic floor. I'll kind of answer both of those questions. The pelvic floor is a group of muscles. It's three layers of muscles that have important jobs. They have jobs of controlling our continents. They have jobs of supporting our spine and our pelvis. The pelvic floor plays a role in organ support plays a role in sexual response. Uh, there's sphincter control. So there's, there's a lot of jobs that the pelvic floor is very central to. And when we don't have any issues, it's just working and we don't really even think about it. But when things are not working as they should, because it's so central to so many things in our life, it's sometimes over, it, it's one of the only things you think about. And so things like pain, pelvic pain, pain with sex, um, continence. So incontinence, a lot of people will call it sneeze pee or peezing, um, urgency where you feel like you can't make it to the bathroom in time or feeling like you need to go all the time, difficulty with pooping. So constipation, um, pelvic organ prolapse is where the bladder, uterus and or rectum can descend out of their optimal position and bulge into or descend into the vagina and low back pain, diastasis recti. So diastasis is more on the abdominal wall. However, fascially and muscularly, there's the attachments on the pelvis. And so they are very much intertwined. Um, it, you know, we have some research to show that there's a connection between incontinence and prolapse and diastasis. And we have other research that shows that there's not. And, but I, I, I believe that it, we have this core system and the abdominal wall and pelvis are so closely intertwined that, I believe that there is some connection there. Um, statistically, incontinence is, you know, it depends where you look. There's stats anywhere between 30 to 70% of women. And I would say, yes, I work with clients that usually are coming with a problem. So my, my stats will be a little bit skewed, but I'd say probably 80% of the people that I work with have some degree of incontinence. Prolapse statistics will say 50% of women kind of general population. There's a recent uh, study that came out that looked at 
six weeks postpartum. And this was vaginal and cesarean births. And 83% of women at six weeks postpartum had some degree of prolapse. 50%, over 50% of that, I think it was 52 of that 83% had a stage two or greater. So prolapse is um, graded one, two, three, four, whereas four is basically where the bulge is right out, out of the vagina. Stage three, the, the bulge is at the entrance to the vagina. Stage two, when it's about uh, a couple of inches away from the entrance. And then stage one is like, it's just a tiny little bulge. And so it's incredibly, incredibly common, incredibly common. And then we can look and say, okay, well, is it more common because we have social media and because we have more people talking about it? Is it happening more often than it used to? Or is it, has it always been happening that much? Um, I think there's a bit of both. I think there's also the fact that we have less movement, less daily movement in our lives generally, but more intense exercise. And I think we have, um, so there's kind of influence of more deconditioned bodies who feel like they need to work harder at the gym to make up for the fact that they don't move so much in the day, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Absolutely. And I think that, I think that is contributing to an increase in the, um, the prevalence of, of these conditions as well. So they're super, super common. Um, but, but they're not something that people need to live with. There are so many different options and, it doesn't have to be surgery that can be, but that's, I always say that should be your last resort if you've tried everything else and movement and exercise. So you talked about fitness, you know, the fact that you are so fit and that's key. Like we need to, we need to load our tissues, but we need to load them in a way that is uh, where we're aware of our posture and our breath and in ways that we're not, um, we, we, so much of what we do, I think in fitness now, it seems to get harder and harder each year is sometimes we overload And when we've been sitting for the day and then we go to the gym and work hard, 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 especially if we are a body that has been pregnant and given birth, the landscape changes and our support mechanisms change. And we need to retrain that first before we actually start to go and load it excessively. I am curious as to now what, I mean, a lot of people that, you know, listen to this show are fitness enthusiasts or fitness professionals or, you know, involved in some sort of activity, put it that way, or they're looking for something and they haven't yep. found it yet. <laughs> um, so what do you, you know, what do you recommend for, you know, someone who is active, who, you know, do we, what are some signs? What are some things that, you know, they may be able to do on their own? And, and and let's look at that pre you know pre post yeah. you know let's to to help you know the process in the begin you know at first and then to recover from the process. Yeah, so I look at birth like an event, like a marathon, and a lot of people say, "Oh yeah, birth is like a marathon, like running a marathon." I think it's like running four or five marathons. <laughs> it doesn't, you know, birth is tipped very very unlikely that it's over in four hours or two hours. You know, um, the Iron so, Man might have been close to it. <laughs> yes, totally. An Iron Man. <laughs> Iron totally. Woman. Yes. So I look at birth as an event that we should be training for. And so applying the principle of specificity from fitness, we look at what are the demands of labor and how are women moving? What are the most common and, and um, optimal birth positions? And then use that in our training. So all fours positions, squat positions, sideline birth positions, all of those are 
<clears throat> pardon me, would be considered more optimal than the lying on your back lithotomy position. So when we can use, you know, squats and staggered stance movements, movements like lunges and kneeling all fours positions and sidelining, you know, clamshells and those types of things. And when you can use those exercises during pregnancy and do it in coordination with the breath and the pelvic floor so that people understand how the, the breathe, the diaphragm and the pelvic floor relate to one another, when they understand the importance of that and when they coordinate it with movement, it, that's really, in my opinion, what true core exercise is when you incorporate, when you, when you have pelvic floor initiated movement, that is how you engage your core, not by bracing or sucking in your abs or holding your breath and just like bearing down, which a lot of people do. Um, So when we train for birth, we can birth more optimally. We are less likely to have, you know, the the tearing and and all all that sort of thing. We're never going to 100% mitigate all of the different risks. They, They happen, but we can, we can do our best to minimize them. And then knowing that the first six to eight weeks postpartum are the most crucial in terms of healing, what we do during that time is really, really key. And it's so often overlooked. So when I look back at, you know, we, I train with periodization in pregnancy with, you know, gradually building up to a certain, like usually around the, the last month or so, then I'll have people start to taper and they start to become, it's more focused on down training and rest and relaxation and visualize, visualizing uh, suppleness and openness in the pelvis, um, ditching the Kegel exercises and, and focusing more on relaxing the pelvic floor. And then the event happens, the birth happens. And then afterwards, now there is a, a recovery phase, like we would build into any other fitness plan. We need a, a period of rest and recuperation. And we also start getting that pelvic floor initiated fairly quickly to help stimulate nerve growth factor, to help increase circulation for healing, to help stimulate muscle memory. And then we start to gradually load it. And we're not sitting around for six weeks waiting for our green light. We're being very intentional with those um, early movements. And they're similar to the ones that we did while we were pregnant. We're regaining um, the connection between the breath and the pelvic floor. We're looking at building lateral hip strength, building up coordination in the the legs for picking things up because moms pick a lot of things up and they're usually heavy. So we have to, we have to load it gradually. And then rather than waiting for six weeks, going and seeing your, your healthcare provider who more and more people are not even having an internal evaluation at the six week mark, which I think is shocking as well. But waiting for the six weeks. Yep. You're good. Go back to normal. Most people interpret that as go back to the hardest possible thing I can find. And because I want to get strong again, I want to get my body back. I, you know, I want all these things. And when we're loading that structure that has had all those different influences, the muscles in the abdominal wall have stretched, the recti have moved away from the midline, the, in um, a vaginal birth, there's been stretch and pressure against the nerves and the tissues and the muscles in the pelvic floor. If there's been a cesarean birth, there's now multiple layers of adhesions through the connective tissue and the muscles in the abdominal wall. So there's all these influences to that, that um, hinder the form and force closure in our pelvis. And when people go from zero to 60 at six weeks postpartum, it's just too much. There hasn't been a retraining. There hasn't been a gradual progression back. And more and more research is showing that 
that high intensity exercise should be delayed till about four to six months postpartum. And again, that's not saying that you shouldn't do anything. There's, there's absolutely movement and loading that needs to happen, but not to the extremes that people are currently doing. I'm going to put my head in a big hole right now. (laughs) And I know it's so important because I, again, listeners know this. I've thrown myself, you know, in the, uh, in the spotlight before of, of the terrible things that I've done before. And, um, she looked at me when you said the, uh, six months, months. yes, because I only had 12 weeks in order to qualify for Boston after I had my daughter (laughs) and I had her February, whatever it was. And the race was the first, it was like May 1st. And yeah. I was like, game on. <laughs> and I yeah. took a couple, you know, and I, I had no, I was really good. I had a great birth with her. She was my second kid. I felt really good. And, you know, and I look back and it was, you know, everything that you're saying, you know, I had no tears with her and I felt great. I had nine months of wanting to die is what I felt like with her. I don't know yeah. why. It just, <laughs> my first pregnancy, I felt like superwoman the whole time. And then after, I mean, it was, it hurt, but like after, um, you know, I had quite a bit of, you know, recovery that I really took. And with my daughter, I felt so bad for the whole time that when I had her, I felt like a million dollars. I'm like, this is okay. All right. And, um, you know, because I didn't have someone that said, you know, Hey, listen, you probably have some internal stuff going on that even though you you feel good on the outside and, you know, maybe just maybe this is really bad idea, Christine. And, and again, I consider myself every time I hear someone talk about, you know, pelvic floor and and pelvic health, that there's so much that we don't know. And there's so much, you know, internally that you don't know. I mean, I could have done, you know, irreversible damage that I don't even know about yet. Like you just said, because you only found out, you know, recently about this, Um, you know, and it scares me to death. And I think that that's good that we should be scaring people to action. Um, Yeah. I think, you know, it's a hard, and especially with pregnancy too, you don't want to instill all this fear because fear definitely works against you when you're, when you're giving birth, but, but we need, we need information and people, people appreciate the information being given to them ahead of time and they feel very resentful and angry when they haven't. So when we, when they learn about it after the fact and they're dealing with it, they feel more resentful and angry and that is not a good place to be either. And so when it's delivered in the right way, and it's not, again, it's not to say that you, you, you can't run, you can't lift, you can't, you absolutely can. What do, what do women like new moms, new parents do? They're lifting all the time. We Mm -hmm. absolutely need that. But we, Ideally, my my ideal is you've seen a pelvic floor physiotherapist while you're pregnant. You have pre-booked an appointment for eight weeks postpartum. You see them for however many sessions they deem that um, that you need. Some people may ne- just need one. Some people may need a few sessions. And then that person you see annually every year as a check-in, just like we go to the dentist. We've been conditioned to see the dentist since we were little. We just we know we go once or twice a year. We go when we don't have a toothache, we go just for them to check things out, to give us a clean and to give us the clean bill of health or say, oh, there's an issue here we need to take care of. And I view pelvic health physical therapists like dentists in a way where we should be seeing them proactively, even if we have no symptoms, just for somebody to check, how are my organs positioned? How is my ability to contract and relax my pelvic floor? Are there any things... 
Any, is there anything that I should be paying attention to in particular? Because life happens. We have falls, we have car accidents, we have stress, we have new foods that we don't, that aren't good for our body. Like all sorts of things can influence our pelvic health. And when we can see somebody annually as a check-in, it can help mitigate. So for instance, like I said, I didn't know about pelvic floor physio until after, well after my second was born. So I started seeing a physio about, uh, it would have been about four or five years after my first son or sorry, after my second son was born. Is that right? Yes. It's about eight years ago now. And my, yes, so that's right. And then, um, and that's when I learned that I had had internal tearing. And then that's when I learned that I had an early stage prolapse. And so when you can catch things ahead of time and learn, know what to do to manage it, it can make a huge difference rather than, you know, many people where like early stage prolapse is often asymptomatic. So incontinence, you know, something's happening because you have some leaks or you have urgency, but with prolapse, often it's asymptomatic or they might have symptoms like an achy back, which people don't associate with the pelvic floor. And so they go through the years and they're like, Oh, it's fine. And they wear pads or they do whatever it is they do. And, And then, one day there is a bulge or um, one day they feel pressure or, and then they go and they realize they have a stage three prolapse and it could have been caught much earlier and managed very differently. So it's not, I don't want to say that, you know, I'm not looking at you saying, Oh, I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you ran the Boston marathon at 12 weeks postpartum. Part of me says that, but at the same time you were fit before and, um, and that, goes a long way. There's, there's something to be said for good tissue in the body and tissue responds to load. And if we are used to loading it, then it typically will recover a little bit better or more quickly than some. But that being said, I also do think though, that the extremes that we celebrate postpartum and the, um, you know, what, what I see a lot of pregnant people doing for training for birth, like box jumps and planks and all that. I I don't, that's not what I associate with great birth prep training. We don't need to do box jumps. Like we're not going to box jump our baby out and we're not going (laughs) to plank pose (laughs) to get our baby out. So I look at, we need to train in ways that build us for better birthing rather than keeping up with the, the, the routine that we have been training our body for because we're now building another body and we need to appreciate the changes that are happening in our body biomechanically that can influence our support structures as well. So it's just, it's an awareness and then moving with that knowledge and awareness, which a lot of people don't necessarily have. So, so what is your day-to-day like? Are you still working one-on-one with clients? Do you wear, um, put, I'm more in an educational um, setting now where you're helping the, the doctors and the physios uh, learn this stuff? And I I want Um, to know about the course too. Of course. Yeah. I kind of have a bit of, a bit of a few things like my, my mornings are always reserved for me. So I have my own morning routine of taking care of my body and that's always what I do. And then from about 10 o'clock till about three o'clock is when I have um, either it's client sessions. So I do online coaching. And so it's either working one-on-one with my clients through Zoom or it's managing, I have a a 28-day challenge. There's two that I run each month, one for pregnant people, the other one is for non-pregnant people. So Birth Like a Boss and Buff Muff, those are both the challenges that run each Ah, month. ah, ah, I love it. You made me LOL there. Yeah. (laughs) Um, 
So I, I manage those. Those are on through an app and I manage the people. So that can be anywhere between 50 to 150 people in there. So there's questions and comments and, you know, how do I, what's the modification? How do I do this? So I'm constantly monitoring those groups. And then I also have a, a membership. So people who've gone through a challenge can come into my membership where they have more, more information. So it's meal plans, it's workouts, it's an exercise library, there's guest experts, because I'm, I believe in a village. And I know there are so many amazing professionals that have um, amazing, like incredible information as it pertains to pelvic health, that you may not think about like a Chinese medicine doctor, or a massage therapist, or a nurse continence advisor, or um, I had a person who's a nutritionist who specializes in bladder pain. So there's so many people and so many resources that people just don't know about. And I really wanted to create a hub to, to give people access to that information so they could make better, more informed decisions about their, their own pelvic health. And then the course is they're available online. There's a pre postnatal cert and the core confidence specialist cert, and they're both online. And typically when COVID isn't a, in our way, we, um, my former business partners and I teach that live a couple times per year. And I have some master trainers that teach it live in their cities as well. But right now that's happening virtually. Um, but a, a lot of people end up just taking the online course anyway, um, because that's what a lot of people are doing nowadays. And, and it's all about anatomy. Um, and it, it's, it's t- for the female body. So people with a vulva and a vagina, and it's looking at the anatomy, looking at the function what the pelvic floor is, all the surrounding musculature, what we term the core four, which is the multifidus, the diaphragm, the pelvic floor, and the transversus abdominis, and how those relate to things like the QL and the psoas and um, piriformis. And then how within our scope as a fitness professional, can we assess our clients and screen for things like incontinence and prolapse and pelvic pain? And then work collaboratively, ideally with a a physiotherapist, if you have access to one in your community, but if not, or even if they do see a physio that the physios will send them back to you because they need somebody who's going to support their homework and their movement. So you then know, based on the assessment, what non-optimal strategies do you need to work on releasing with them? So what stretch and release work would you do? And then how would you uh, approach the the pelvic floor initiated movement afterwards for that particular person so they might need more bridges or they they might need some squats and lunges and bicep curls or who knows but you can always incorporate the pelvic floor and posture into that with the breath and it makes a huge huge change i remember we taught this is i think three years ago we were teaching at the canfit pro conference in toronto and there was a physiotherapist she wasn't a pelvic floor physio. She was a, a, a regular physiotherapist in our course. And she was very skeptical. She asked a lot of questions. She always had this look of kind of like, I think you guys are bullshitting me. You know, she, she just sort of, she, she, we always were like, I'm not sure if she's happy or not. And anyway, at the end of the two days, she left and the conference was still happening. And we were making, you know, we had other pr- presentations that we were doing. And she came to one and she said, okay, I'm a believer. I did the core breath with my lunges today. And I didn't have that knee pain that's been um, nagging me. And I also lifted heavier on my overhead press than I have before. She goes, I get it. I'm a believer now. So sometimes people just need to take the information away and embody it themselves to understand, but it's an eye opener and people are, they come out and they go, how the hell is it that I've lived for 30, 40, 50 years? And I've never known this about my own body or my client's bodies. Um, and we have men that come too. sometimes they come because they train mainly women or because they have a wife who's going through pregnancy. We've had that a few times. 
but um yeah so that's that's kind of what i do i i'm whatever comes my way either it's a client who needs some help or the people through my programs or um i have a mentorship program for the people that have gone through the course as well and working on changing the the narrative around pelvic health and making it more mainstream and and bringing it into fitness because we need it badly in fitness it's a fitness issue that's my one of my teachers dr bruce crawford he's the He's the first person I connected to with the hashtag pelvic floor on Twitter. <laughs> and I ended up teaching with him, his course a couple of, uh, for a couple of years with him and learned so much. And his slogan is bladder control is a fitness issue. And it really, truly is. Now, all right, this is a great segue, Kim. Tell everybody right now where they can find out more information about, you know, taking your course, um, the mentor program, the, you know, getting your website and the challenges go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, wait for it. It's vaginacoach.com. All right. <laughs> uh, pretty much vagina coach is where you, if you're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, everything's vagina coach, uh, vaginacoach.com is my website. And on there you can find the various programs. So there's the birth, like a boss challenge. And I also have a full online course called prepare to push. So that was the very first one that I created many, many years ago. Um, and then for non-pregnant people, there is the buff muff challenge. It's a 28 day challenge and, or they have Kegel Mojo, which is my full online program. Um, the membership I was talking about, the buff muff community membership is available only to people who have gone through a challenge. So, um, the next challenge starts, it's the first Tuesday of every month. So December 1st is the next one. And uh, it's the first Tuesday of every month after that. So join a challenge and then you can get access to the membership. The On vaginacoach.com, there's also a menu item that says courses for professionals. So that's where you'll find the core confidence specialist, the pre-postnatal specialist. There's a course there for doulas. There's a course for pelvic floor physios. There's a course for midwives. Um, so whatever it is that you do, you can find something in there that would be applicable to you and your, your expertise. And then the mentorship program is part of that. So that's again, something that's available to people who take the courses. If they want continued ongoing support and, and knowledge, then they can join the membership there. I don't think, um, I don't think you have yeah. enough going on. By the way. <laughs> I know <laughs> It's quite a bit. What, um, what's going on with, um, with this year, any conferences coming up anywhere we can find, you know, you speaking or whatnot. I, I just spoke a couple of weekends ago at the SCW uh, and also the CanFit Pro conferences. And so next year, hopefully the world is opened up again and I will be at those conferences live. Um, and yeah, so right now those are, it's mainly online virtual and, and I'm usually part of uh, summits, like, like not just podcasts. I don't mean just podcasts, but um, summits that where people have come and collected a group of people about a specific topic. So I was just in one called Moms Who Pee Their Pants. I'm talking today with a woman running one called Powerful Perimenopause. And so mo like that's usually where most people find me is through they've heard me on a podcast or they've heard me on a summit and um, and then on social media as well. So Anytime I'm on those, I will share it through my social media channels so people can learn from not just me, but from all the other amazing people that are part of those summits. And um, yeah, so it's it's kind of, it's quiet in the sense that there's not a lot of conferences being booked right now, but I really hope that next year we'll be, we'll be able to meet live. 
Oh, I man. hope Brian, so too. Brian, yes. question for you. Go Ready? for me. Go. This is for you. And right. Kim, you just you hang out for a second. Ready? <laughs> okay. Brian, scared. would you so not click on a podcast that says the Vagina Coach podcast? I would click on everything <laughs> <laughs> that says Vagina Coach. I want to know all about I'm it. Sorry, she, you just mentioned like Summit, Summit, Summit. You need to have your own show, and I'm not even saying like use us to help right. you at all. Like you, honestly, there's things that you know. That just have to have to happen. And instead of relying on us to come out here and ask you the right questions, I mean, we're fun yeah. though. Tell but we're us, fun. no, no, we're good. But tell us, you know, you you'd, you'd always tell your story a whole lot better <sighs> than, than anyone else. Um, well, so- I've I've had a I. I had an idea of a sort of like a podcast called Between Two Lips, and it was going to be a take on Between Two Ferns, but <laughs> but uh, and then a. a, a I guess you can call her a colleague of mine. She is an inventor of a product called the Kegel Bell, and she started a program when she called it Between Two Bushes. And so I've been a guest of hers on on her talk. That is so good. On her show. And so it might happen one day. But um, as you say, I do have a lot going on, and I just don't know if I can add something else. I just think you got to make more people uncomfortable, like you said. So if you're going to get that word out there... There it is. Get it out there. There it is, yeah. Kim. Here, here's what I want to ask, Kim. Normally before you know, we, our guests, we, we part ways, um, we ask for a pearl or some wisdom or one thing. And, and, and in this case – And also to send a lot of money in a bag. <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> in this case, I'm going to put out a hypothetical, okay? Um, yeah. I don't know what the – here in the United States, we have the Surgeon General, right? And, and, and in Canada, there's an equivalent, I'm sure. I don't know what uh, yeah. the, the actual term is. But if we made you uh, the head vagina coach of, you know, of the world here, what are some things? What are the procedures that you would want to see mandatory? What are the things that, that are non-negotiable? This is what we're going to do with each and every pregnant woman pre, post, all that. That's a good question, Brian. Thank yeah, you. a thousand percent every <laughs> – even before pregnancy, um, but every pregnant person would see a pelvic floor physiotherapist through each trimester. So at least once a trimester would see them again at eight weeks postpartum and would have three to six visits covered and then have at least one visit covered per year after that on an ongoing basis. Those That would be the, the number one thing. If I could change one thing right now, that would be it. And um, just to make the again, the conversation, the topic known about, but also those to me are the most underused women's health resource that we have and the most amazing, amazing people. And we need more people to know about them and be, um, be able, like we don't, we don't, finances should not get in the way of our pelvic health. And the, the funny thing is pads, incontinence pads at the very, very least cost 30 bucks a month. And Mm. there are people who are spending, you know, upwards of a hundred bucks a month. And when you do the math over, you know, say that person starts using those either when they're pregnant or not long after, and let's pick a year of 30 years old. When you think of potentially that person living to 80, 90, even a hundred years old, that's a lot of years of spending a hundred bucks a month. And and when you do the math, it's, you know, 25 to $50,000. And so the savings, for those people can be tremendous. And when I look at people who say, well, you know, it's expensive and I get it is, it is an expense. It is an investment though. And you will prevent, likely prevent the need for that 130 to hundred bucks a month spend. If you do it once or twice a year. I love it. Nailed it. You're, you're the head coach. You're the head vagina coach for <laughs> Canada and the world, United States, everybody much. love it. 
Well, you were absolutely fantastic. And I know that um, I always learn a lot from all of our amazing guests on the show. So thank you so much, Kim, for taking the time out of your busy schedule to uh, come talk vaginas with the two fit crazies and a microphone. Well, I thank you for bringing up the topic and for having me on and for embracing it because it it will help a lot of people. And I'm really grateful for your platform. So thank you. Excellent. Awesome. All right, Kim. With that said, it's Christine Conti. And I'm Brian Prendergast. And we are Two Fit Crazies. And the microphone. We are where it's at. Peace. (laughs)